0: I'm grateful for a day when you guys take an opportunity to say thanks to Devin and I, but I have to say thanks to the people that make this happen because I recognize that something happening uh, like this, I hope you recognize it takes a whole lot of committed people. And we have a team that even in the middle of a global pandemic have just worked Tirelessly to keep this house and the ministry of this house moving forward and functioning at a high level of efficiency. And while I'm grateful for the time that you said thank you to Devin and I today, and we're humbled by that, I want to say thank you to every single person in this altar and those that are not in this altar that are part of this team working in different locations in this church. And I want this body to help me thank God for the people that God has sent to this house. Come on. I love it. Every one of you. Come on, let's really say thank you. And I want to say thank you and good morning to the Athens campus. Can we tell Athens campus good morning? Pastor Chris and Amy, Pastor Devin and Ingrid, the entire team there. Let me give them a shout-out. Let me give a couple shout-outs while I'm doing shout-outs because I love to give shout-outs. Uh, let me say thanks to the ministry team there yesterday. We gave away 1,900 pounds of food. Actually, pardon me, uh, 1,900 bags of food in Athens yesterday. Somebody help me celebrate what God did through our team. They had, they had a row of cars for blocks Pastor Chris and Amy touched that community yesterday. Thank you all, everyone from the Athens family that was a part. Thank you for making a difference in the lives of the people that live in Athens. I also want to thank God for the people who came to the Memorial for the Unborn. If you don't know it, you need to know that Chattanooga, Tennessee is one of the very few places. In fact, it was for a long time the first and the only place in America— where a memorial was built to the unborn. If you don't know it, there used to be an abortion clinic in this city that was purchased by business people and redeemed. And they took the property where the abortions used to take place and on that property, they built a memorial to the unborn. If you've never been there, it will change your life. We take our students there every year because we want them to see a place where, where God redeemed land. Land that was at one time used to see to the innocent slaying of precious lives, Um, the slaying of precious lives. And now on that property, you can go and read the messages that mothers and fathers have come back years later and wrote to their child that is now in the presence of God. And the regret and the pain will break your heart, but it will cause a resolve to rise within you to stand against the most atrocious sin this nation. That and slavery, the two most atrocious sins this nation has ever participated in. And I am thankful I'm living in a city that not only says we're not going to witness and participate and let the spirit of racism Destroy our city, but we're also not going to witness and participate and let the spirit of abortion Slay the lives of our innocent sons and daughters Somebody said there he goes being political no there you go being political I'm in the Bible and I want you to know that life is precious From the womb to the tomb and this house is going to fight for justice in the womb and in the streets because we believe the kingdom of God is a kingdom of life. Somebody say amen in this place. And yesterday, so, uh, sorry, I'm giving a shout out. (laughs) Yesterday, um, a group of our people went and did uh, just an incredible thing. They devoted most of their morning and part of their afternoon to the uh, sprucing up and the the facelift of the Uh, The grounds of that building and we did it because we we have it in our heart for it to be a beautiful place And I just wanted to thank all of you. Can you help me thank a large team that came It was incredible? And I'm grateful for your time and um, I want to get right into the word this morning Um, John chapter 14 verse Pardon me Romans chapter 14 verse 17. I have no clue where John came from It's a great book It's just not where I'm preaching today. John 14, uh, 17, and 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, I don't know what you came for today, but I came because I'm burning up with this word, and I'm going to preach it today. So if you're in a hurry, I'm just informing you I'm not. It's been two weeks since I preached to people, and I'm going to preach today. And... uh, if you have to leave because you have a lunch date, that's quite all right. You can quit, catch the rerun, but we're going to, I believe God came to do something in lives today. And I don't know about you, but I'm living in a time, I don't just need a, a nugget, I need a word from the Lord. Anybody in this place hungry for the word of the Lord in your life? And I'm thankful that God has been good to our church. I'm thankful for those, I, I this past week, and I'll get into this a bit in my message, it's been a unique week it started off kind of rough and uh, but i got good news one of my mentors who was really responsible for seeing to uh uh just raising me in the call of god was put in the hospital this past week with covid but he's coming home tomorrow and he's doing good and i give god praise for that amen how many know that jesus name is above every sickness and disease and today i just want to tell you the church is not running in a cave and hiding the church is on the move and the kingdom of god is an advancing kingdom can you say amen Amen. let's start in first samuel chapter 18 and i'm going to begin a series today called let there be joy because i believe it's time for some joy among the people of god and i want to preach this message for the next few weeks this series of messages for the next few weeks on joy and today I want to start this series with a message called The Kingdom of Joy. The Kingdom of Joy. I want you to look at First Samuel chapter 18, verse number 5, and when you got it, say word. word. And I want you to look at your neighbor before we get into this and tell your neighbor, say neighbor, come on and just talk to him. I know some of us don't like talking to people, but look at your neighbor and say neighbor, I won't touch you at all but you look 12 pounds lighter today than you did last time I saw you. Come on, compliment them, tell them something nice. They looking better today than they have in a long time. It's so good to get out of the house and get some vitamin D in the sun, amen? First key, first Samuel, pardon me, first Samuel chapter 18 verse five reads like this. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and he behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted, listen, in the sight of all the people and in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine, which we know is Goliath, that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and with. Somebody say joy. Joy. They came out with tambourines and with joy and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and they said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. They came, when David came back home from defeating Goliath, they came into the cities. Of Jerusalem from every place in Israel. And they sang and they beat tambourines, and the people of God had joy. I want you to flip over to Romans chapter 14, verse number 17, and most of you know this text. It simply says this For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the holy ghost can you say that scripture with me the kingdom of god is not in drinking and eating but in righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost i'm gonna say it one more time because i sense heaviness getting ready to leave this building today the kingdom of god is not what you eat and what you drink but it's righteousness peace and joy in the, it's not just the kingdom of joy, the kingdom is joy this is the kingdom of joy, how many thank God for joy in this room today that comes from knowing Jesus somebody give him one more good praise Father help us today to preach the word help us to be able to hear it and I pray today we would be transformed by it all of the time and preparation is in vain if the Spirit of God doesn't come and help me preach so today stand up in my heart God and may the anointing that you have poured out may it quicken us may we, we be seated together in heavenly places may dead souls come to life may weary pilgrims find strength in the presence of God today and I thank you that there's joy in this journey And for the next few weeks, I pray that a manifestation of joy would break out all over the church. Let a spirit of heaviness be chased out of lives and let the joy of the Lord come and be our strength. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. As I thought about The idea of joy, the concept of joy, and how I would introduce this message today, I did not have to travel far back in my mind. In fact, I went back just this week to uh, what was initially a pretty rough week for me. I, I woke up at the beginning of the week knowing that this is the week I had dreaded for about 18 years, just to be quite honest with you. You say you've dreaded this week for 18 years. Yes, it is the week that my son, my oldest son Jeremiah, would move to Lee University and so we did that on Wednesday and Tuesday night like I do every night of his life for the past 18 years. I walked into his bedroom, his mother was sitting on his bed and I knelt down beside his bed like I do every night getting ready to pray and my face is red and my eyes are puffy. I've done a decent job of cleaning up myself before I walked into his room and his mother looked at me and said, are you crying? (laughs) And I I just lost it again and I commenced to sitting on the side of his bed and it wasn't one of those hallmark cries that you can take care of with a little corner of a of a Kleenex, it was one of those nasty cries, (laughs) those ugly, sobbing, fall apart, and Jeremiah has never in 18 years of existence seen me in that place. I'm uncontrollable, I can't get a sentence out. I'm sobbing, I can't breathe, my face is puffy, and I commence to praying for him, and Devin is just looking at me like I'm losing my mind, and I'm thinking this, I'm having flashbacks of coaching him in baseball and coaching him in football and Disney World. And oh my, the emotion just overcoming. me. And tomorrow I'm taking him to drop him off. Never mind that it's only 26 minutes away. It, it didn't matter that it was just up the road about 15 miles. It, it felt like my world was coming to an end. It was sad. I was heavy, Amy. I was like... Processing this, I felt like I was getting old. I felt like, what's wrong with, I'm four, I'm, I'll be 41 in four weeks. I'm thinking, my life is, what is happening? I'm falling apart. And then Devin comes in on Thursday night, and she says, Jeremiah may come home tomorrow. May come see us tomorrow. And I thought, oh, this, this is not going to be all that bad. I'm actually going to be able to process this and deal with this and see him more than I think I'm going to see him. We're actually going to be all right and, and I'm out getting some things on Friday afternoon and she said, Jeremiah will be here in 10 minutes and the girls are excited, Isaiah's how We're all excited and I, I'm excited. I'm like, I'm we'll gonna get home, I'm gonna come see Jeremiah and I pull up to my house and there are 16 cars. There are 16 cars in my front yard and I walk into my home and there is a mass of ravenous beasts standing in my living room and I thought, where's Jeremiah? And Jeremiah's in the middle of it all. And Jeremiah brought, Jeremiah came home. It was a great, was a great thing. Jeremiah came home and he brought the entire freshman class with him. And they're all standing in my, my living room and I'm having a moment of great joy. I went from sadness to joy. Jeremiah's home and then it hits me. Someone has to feed these beasts. So I called my favorite pizza place. I said, how many pizzas do you have in the store? Pastor, we we have plenty of pizza. No, no, no. I need to know how many pizzas. This is serious. How many pizzas do you have in the store? Jeremiah brought the whole freshman class to my house, and they said, well, we can can get you some pizza. I said, that's not enough pizza. How many chickens do you have in the store? We need some wings. We need some pizzas. We got to feed these people. And in 30 minutes, they drop the food off, and everybody has joy. Jeremiah's friends are there. We got Luke, and we got Jabe, and we got, we got Zach, and we got the whole—I fr- think I saw Paul Kahn in my living room. We got everybody at the house, and joy has been restored, and we're all having the time of our life. And you know what? Everybody was eating food, and I walked to all the places, and they're all around the pool, and they're, all, and they're eating their, their pizza, and they're eating their chicken wings, and how many know, it No not matter how much you buy, they're eating it all. The dogs that I have were looking for leftovers, and I just had this, The only two people that got no joy this weekend were the dogs, because there was nothing left over for the, for the dogs to eat. It was a moment of joy. Everybody needs joy. Everybody needs joy, and what I want you to understand today is that there is this this indescribable sense of gladness and happiness, and I know we don't like to talk about emotions in the church, but can I just tell you that joy is indeed a part of your emotional well-being. You don't have to think about having joy. Joy is a natural response to a reality established in a relationship with God. Say that again. Joy is a natural emotional response to a reality that you and I live in because we have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Joy is an emotion. When you're in the the woods, if you ever go camping, when you're in the woods with a with, with your family or you're by yourself or whatever, if a bear comes up on your camping site, you don't think about being afraid. You don't see a bear and hear it roar and think, now I should be very afraid. You just become what? Afraid. Because fear is an emotion, right? Well, joy is in many ways the same way. We get to thinking about too much and try to think our way into joy, but you can't think your way into joy because joy is a reality, it's an emotion, it's an experience, it's a reality that we experience naturally as a byproduct of a relationship with God through Jesus. Whenever the Spirit of God is working in your life, Certain kinds of things just happen. Certain kinds of things are experienced. That's why the Bible says in the book of Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy is not the product of you thinking yourself there. Joy is not the product of you working yourself there. Joy is not the product of you doing enough to get to a place. Joy is the product of knowing you belong to him and he belongs to you. And I want you to understand that the kingdom that Jesus came to give us is a kingdom of joy. Every person in this room with a pulse needs joy. That's why the Bible said in the book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, the 10th verse, the writer Nehemiah is speaking to a people who have come from 70 years of Babylonian captivity. They have been in Babylon for 70 years, and your Bible says that when they come back home under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah, they begin to rebuild life and rebuild their relationship with God. And they've been in bondage so long that they don't know how to live in joy. And in the 8th chapter and the 10th verse, Nehemiah reminds the people of God, you've been in bondage, but this is not bondage anymore. You're back home now. And it's not time to sorrow But have joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Family, I want to tell you that one of the greatest truths you will ever come into in your life is the truth that strength in life comes from joy in the Holy Ghost. If you want to have true strength in life, If you want to have vitality, if you want to know how to fall down and get back up and keep moving forward, then you've got to understand that strength comes from having the joy of the Lord. And one-third of the kingdom of God is called joy. In the 17th verse of the 14th chapter of Romans, Paul says the kingdom of God is not in what you eat, it's not in what you drink, But the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to think about that. If you're a mathematician, you understand that what Paul just articulated in the 14th chapter of Romans is that one-third of the kingdom of God is joy. So all you joy haters, all you people who don't like happy folk— Everybody who always kind of looks down and cynical at people who constantly have an upbeat uh, outlook on life and you think they're just so giddy. They're not giddy. They have tapped in to a supernatural reality that is a product of a relationship with a risen Jesus who conquered everything for me and you. And it means that no matter what I go through, at the end of the day, hey, I've read the back of this book and we're going to win. And because we know we're going to win, we can have joy. And I have found that most people, (laughs) they don't want you to here's the thing, most people who don't like you having joy, they don't want your joy, they just don't want you to have it. I don't know about you, but if Jesus came to pay for my joy, I think I'm going to have joy. How many are going to have joy? I, I want you to know that it would seem common sense and logical to feel like we just survived the season we're in, And we get through all this and then we go back to life as usual and we get a restoration of joy. I want you to know right now you won't need a restoration of joy if you never lose your joy. And you don't to lose it just because the world is in a mass panic and in all kind of fear. I'm telling you right now, in the middle of this mess, there is nothing about the Lordship of Jesus that has changed. He's not abandoned his throne. He's not out on vacation. He is still El Shaddai. He still has all power. He's still the God of all might, and he's still the runs the world, that put the stars in their place, he's still on the throne, and he's in charge. Somebody say amen. This is a kingdom of joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness. It's a kingdom of righteousness. The kingdom of God is righteousness, and I'm not going to preach on righteousness and peace except to tell you the kingdom of God is righteousness because it involves a king who paid the price for our sin so that we could have righteousness right standing with God because of the shed blood of Jesus Sister Yeye and Brother Flip Flop didn't get saved by their works they got saved because Jesus died in their place we are not here because of of what we deserve, we are not saved by our works, we are born again by the Spirit and because we trusted in his sacrifice Jesus has imputed his righteousness to our spiritual account, we were bankrupt people on our way to hell, but today as I'm seen by God in heaven I'm not seen by my failure I'm seen by the work of his cross and because he conquered sin in the flesh, I am called righteous by God and I give him praise for it. Anybody want to join me this morning in giving praise to God? And when you have righteousness, watch, when you have the righteousness of God, then you have the peace with God. That's why the kingdom is righteousness and peace, because righteousness produces peace. There was no peace with God between God and man until Jesus came. Jesus didn't make a down payment. Jesus paid the whole price. He didn't say, I'm coming back to finish the job. And when he hung on the cross while he was dying, he said, it is finished. And I'm thankful today because he finished it. Not only do I have the righteousness of Christ in my life, but I have peace with God. His blood has covered our sins And as far as the east is from the west, that's why Paul, man, I feel like preaching right here. That's why Paul would say, who is he that condemns you? It is Christ who died, yea, rather, that is risen. No one can bring a charge against the elect of God. Oh, let me walk around here and preach for a minute. Nobody can walk into your past and pull something out of your closet that makes God change his mind about you. You ought to praise him every time you walk through the door and every time you get in your car, you ought to praise him because it was the Lord's sacrifice that caused God to accept you. And now you have peace with God. And you're free. And this is the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and then there is this thing, this emotional, this reality of gladness that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's this sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. It's this thing that makes us smile. I always say it like this, I've said it for 30 years, well, not that long, I'm only 40, but 20 years if you're happy notify your face that went over well so I'll say it again if you're happy notify your face we have too many saints who claim eternal life and they look like they're on their way to hell something is different about the child of God We're not, oh, listen, I know we're not what we're going to be, but we're not who we used to be. And there ought to be some sense of joy and gladness about us because of the work Jesus has done in our life. This is a kingdom of joy. A third of the kingdom of God is joy. Another third is peace. Tell me a day in your lifetime when peace and joy were under greater attack than right now. It is precisely the reason why several weeks ago I went on a media cleanse. No Twitter, no Fox, no CNN. Some of you are wishing you'd have done it with me. Why did I do it? Because I have found that thieves... Want to come and take joy, and oftentimes we hand them the keys to our heart and let them in. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you take that truth and invert it, the heaviness of the world is defeat. It's weakness. And 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 the, if we're going to live in strength, and if we're going to live an overcoming life. And this is not just a a spiritual pap rally today. This is not just a halftime talk. This is not just chicken soup for the Christian soul. We have people who have been in the kingdom of God and in the church for years. I talked to a dear brother this past week. One of his family members been serving God for decades and all of a sudden he feels defeated and so far away from God. Feels like God doesn't love him anymore. And and I'm sitting there listening to this guy tell me this. And and I know it's not true, but the dear brother was convinced that he's done something, that, 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 that there's something so wrong in his life that God doesn't love him anymore. Where does this come from? I tell you where it comes from. It comes from the devil. Now, you don't want to talk about the devil on Sunday morning and it's pastor appreciation and I'm supposed to make you feel warm and you know cozy on the inside but there's a devil loose in America. You don't want me to talk about it but there's a devil loose in America. He came to steal, kill and destroy. This I told you several weeks ago that evil men are not evil because we're living in perilous times but the times have become perilous because men have chosen evil over God. I want you to understand today that every time someone mocks the Lord, disobeys the Lord, hardens their heart against God, it opens up this world for more and more evil. And I know that sounds old fashioned, but it is the reason why God has called us to live pure and holy lives, to slam the door shut on the enemy who came to destroy our lives. Everywhere you look, there's another report assigned to steal your joy. Every time you turn around, and just to be honest with you, we're all reading the reports on coronavirus. We want to hear that cases and deaths and hospitalizations are dropping. But they know that. So instead of telling us it's getting better, they're saying things like don't get too excited, don't be optimistic, but we think we're flattening the curve. Why? Because no one wants us to have joy. This isn't political. I'm watching people who are becoming suicidal. They've been serving the Lord for years and they're living, they're living a disconnected, isolated life. It's exactly what Satan has designed to separate you and to pull you away and to bring a sense of hopelessness in. And and there are too many people who are born again and citizens of the kingdom of God and have forgotten that the citizenship that we have in heaven is more than just a name on a church row, dear Lord Jesus. This is about eternal life, not just in the there and the by and by, but in the nasty now. I have joy right now. I don't have to wait till my feet touch gold streets I'm living in the middle of the kingdom of God my sins are forgiven my enemies are under his feet my mind has been renewed my family is blessed my God we are the people of the Lord and the citizens of the kingdom of God listen to me we have access to a promise called joy and when I think about the kingdom of joy it is seen I, I often like to find it in the Old and the New Testament because if you see it in the Old and the New, you recognize that it really is the intention of God from the beginning. And this is one of those places, one of those things that we see the heart of God from Old to New Testament. It really is the heart of the Father to bring you and I into a kingdom of joy. It's interesting to me that the word joy, the first time the word joy is used, I read it to you this morning, first time the word joy is used in your Bible is in 1 Samuel chapter 18. You might find that hard to believe. Now, I will be the first to tell you that if you're a Hebrew scholar, you know that the same word used for joy in 1 1 Samuel chapter 18 is also used three other times in the Old Testament before 1 Samuel 18. But the word joy itself and the description of that feeling I'm talking about is first used in 1 Samuel chapter 18. It's the first time in the whole Bible that joy is used. 1 Samuel 18 verse number 6. And it says when David came home David came home. Now understand, David had, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, David had just won a great victory. And the first time the emotion of joy and the celebration of joy is experienced and talked about in the entire Bible. It's found right here in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse six, after David wins a battle. This is interesting because what we see in the life and the reign of a man named David is an Old Testament foreshadowing of a kingdom that would come and be established through his great, 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 great grandson, Jesus Christ. The Old Testament foreshadow and type of what was coming in the New Testament was established through the life of a man named David. Why? Well, if you're going to have a kingdom of joy, then you have to have the right king on the throne. Now, when David comes on the scene, sorry, you will remember that Saul is the king at this time. Saul was king, but the problem is he wasn't God's king. Saul is the product of people choosing the king. It's all found in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when the Bible says that the people of God came to Samuel. Samuel had two sons, and neither of them operated in the integrity or the honesty that Samuel himself operated in, and they began to take bribes, and they began to act unjustly, and they began to mistreat the people of God. And when the people of God experienced Leaders who didn't have a pure heart, man, there's a message in that. But when when the people of God experienced leaders with an impure heart, they came to Samuel and they said, we want a king like the rest of the nations of the earth. The problem is this. The problem is not that they wanted a king. The problem is they wanted a king more than they wanted God. And you must be careful in life that you don't crave a leader before you crave God, because if you crave leadership more than you crave God, you'll get a leader that don't love God. And there's a lot of people living life right now because they, have want- they wanted to seek man, and they got a man that didn't know God. I got news for you. If you seek God, he'll give you a man or a woman, somebody who can help lead your life with a pure heart. Say amen, somebody. They wanted a man, they didn't want God, and he told, God told Samuel, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me. And because they rejected God, God gave them a man who didn't know God. His name was Saul. Saul was sitting on the throne of Israel. The problem is that when you have a king that doesn't have the heart of God, you may have a kingdom, but it's not a kingdom of joy. And if you trace the whole life and the whole reign of King Saul, you will see that the life and reign of King Saul produced a nation that did not know joy. And it is not until another king comes in place and and becomes anointed for the throne of Israel that Israel for the first time in its existence experiences the emotion of joy. Why did Israel have joy in 1 1 Samuel chapter 18? I'll tell you why. Because they got the right king on the throne. God took the kingdom away from Saul and he gave it to his anointed David. There's a reason why some people listening to me right now don't have any joy. You got the wrong king on the throne of your heart. Oh yeah. You'll never have joy until you get the right king on the throne of your heart. You'll never have true peace. You'll never have true joy until you get the right king on the throne of your heart. Some people have no joy because they have selected the wrong king. Your king is a Democrat. Your king is a Republican. And if you think this, I'm going, I'm going to hammer the kingdom of God for the next two months because as we race to November 3rd the most divided place in America is the church on Sunday morning because somebody's going to stand up and call him the king and somebody's going to stand up and call him the king and your joy fluctuates every four years because you have forgotten that your king is not in Washington and your king is not in Orlando and your king is not in Montreal. My king was not selected king. He was not elected king. He was not voted king. He was born a king, king of the Jew, king of the Gentile. I just want to say his name so that every demon spirit is reminded that at the name of Jesus, every shall bow every tongue shall confess I wish somebody would praise the king oh I feel him in this room right now the king is the king of glory the king of the Jew the king of the Gentile he's the king of heaven he's the king of earth and if the church doesn't quit preaching this garbage about men being the king and yet are you going to vote? yes I'm going to vote and you should too and you should read the Bible and pray before you vote but at the end of the day those jokers will one day be put into a tomb and we won't remember them throughout history but there is one that they tried to bury they tried to kill him they tried to take his life and three days later he arose because he's the the king of glory, and the king of life, and the king of the kingdom of joy. Somebody give God praise in this room. We gotta get the right king on the throne. Way too much fluctuation in joy in the kingdom of God. It reveals you forgot who the king is. At the end of the day, there's only one, there's only one who settled the score, who overcame the enemy. He conquered. There, there, there is a reason why Israel has joy in First Samuel chapter 18. It's because they got the right king on the throne. It's a picture of the kingdom of God when they put the king, Jesus, right in the place he's supposed to be on the throne of their hearts, when that happens, when you get the right king on the throne, you begin to experience the kingdom as a kingdom of joy. There's another reason why it's a kingdom of joy and why the people of God had joy when David come home. First time in the Bible they have joy. Why are they having joy? They're not only having joy because the king is on the throne, the right king is on the throne, but they have joy because he's carrying the head of Goliath. (laughs) I want to tell you right now, joy comes as a product of victory over enemies. There is a context. There's not only a king of joy, there's a context of joy. Joy isn't realized in the deepest degree that it can be until you get into the middle of a conflict that it doesn't look like you're going to come out of. Some people don't have much joy because they've not been uh, delivered and experienced gratifying victory but David has something in his hand as he walks off the battlefield it is the head of a giant now I know this is graphic and some people want me to present the PG version but listen here's the bottom line I'm thankful that that this that this story in the Bible doesn't cut out this particular part and you're going to see why in just a few moments David has the head of the enemy. And the people of Israel have joy. The kingdom has joy. Why? Because their enemy has been overcome. How many in this room have ever experienced the thrill of victory? How many have ever been in a situation where a doctor told you it was inoperable, where the bank told you you couldn't afford it, Where where a lawyer told you you didn't have a case, come on, Where, where where the boss told you you didn't have a job, and it looked like life was piling up on top of you. You think for a moment that when that happens, this is certainly not a cause for joy. But that's not what your Bible teaches. Joy has a context. If you're going to experience great joy, it will always come when surrounded by great trial. Y'all don't want this one, do you? James chapter 1, verse 2. I think I'll read the Bible to you on a Sunday like this. My brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There is something about the trial of life that actually produces and invokes in you the response of joy doesn't even make sense, it sounds like an oxymoron, it sounds antithetical it doesn't even fit together how can you be going through a trial in the context of a trial and at the same time count it all joy who wrote that scripture how do you count it all joy when you're in the middle of a fiery furnace you know what you do You know how you count it all joy? When you're in the middle of a fiery furnace, you make room for the fourth man. if I'm going to go through this fire, if I'm going to go through this trial, then pardon me while I scoot over and let the fourth man, God I feel like preaching, let the fourth just just high five somebody in the air and tell your neighbor make room for the fourth man you've been waiting on joy to come when there is no trial, but joy's getting ready to come because there's a trial and and you're getting ready to see joy in the context of adversity let's wait till we get a vaccine pastor wow so they can tell us how it doesn't work I think I'll take joy right now. I think in the middle of hell breaking, I'm gonna walk around here for a minute. I think I'm gonna have some joy right now. I'm not waiting on a vaccine. I'm not waiting on a cure. I found the cure. His name is Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, if you find yourself in the middle of a fire, make room because God is about to give you joy for your triumph. He comes back with the head of his enemy because the battlefield is a good place to find joy. Wouldn't it have been amazing if Goliath just looked at David and said, you know what, you're gonna whoop me, so let me just turn in my sword and let's call it a day. Doesn't ha- it's not how it works. You actually have to release the rock. You, you You actually got to release the rock God actually God is actually waiting on you to understand. That it's not just gonna magically disappear. I feel God standing up in me right now. I feel like the church is afraid and paralyzed, and we've lost our praise and we've lost our joy, and I'm prophesying right now. I'm not even preaching right now. Some people have lost their hunger and they've allowed this pandemic to rob them of their fire. But I come to tell you the devil is a liar in the middle of this battlefield. I'm finding joy. It don't have and before I get happy, i I got to quit, but I'm nervous, I'm getting real nervous, because now I'm hearing preachers talking about a new normal, and for years we may not go back to church, zoom in on my face, right? give me that camera, and come on in here, I want to make a statement to somebody watching me right now, some preacher, your church has told you you can't open the door there's too much bad happening. because we're asleep in the kingdom too many people are on vacation we've disconnected from the source somebody gotta jump back in the fight today somebody gotta pick up your sling today this is a kingdom of joy And we're losing I'm telling you right now We're losing some joy And on this Sunday morning Before I walk back in that door Somebody's getting ready To get their joy back Somebody's getting ready To get their fight back Somebody's getting ready To get their faith back Somebody came like David today And they're saying Giant to fear You came to me With a spear and a sword But I come to you In the name I just got a flashback of when I was 11 years old. And they, see, when I was growing up, we went to church as a hobby. All these kids today, they they play Xbox and PlayStation. We didn't even have an Atari. So when I was growing up, my recreation was camp meeting. Y'all can't handle this. Church. I'm talking about the kind where you go and they got sawdust on the ground. Hot enough for everybody to pass out. Big mosquitoes big enough to carry you off. And I remember, oh God, I feel like preaching right here. I remember. On one hot summer night, Sister Dot showed up in a silhouette Oldsmobile van and five prayer mamas pulled up to my house. I was 11 years old and they said, Kevin, we wanted to come by and take you to camp meeting. I said, Mama, can I go to camp meeting with Mama Dot? She said, yes, you can. I got in the van and they took me to camp meeting. The camp meeting tent was packed all the preachers were there all of the saints were there and they said there's a 10 year old boy in this building somewhere where are you at brother Kevin and I walked up to the pulpit and they said we heard you sing a song I said I only know one song to sing and they put that microphone in my hand and I was 10 years old and I opened up my mouth and said "Ah." I've got a feeling everything is gonna be all right i feel the lord on me right here Stop your neighbor and say neighbor i've got a feeling everything's gonna be all right somebody give him praise in this room right now The second, I'm closing. The second verse of that said, a little boy named David went out to fight the giant. Everybody laughed at such a funny little sight. A little shepherd boy armed only with a sling. Beside mighty Goliath seemed such a puny little thing. But David said, you come to me with a spear and a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. He put gave it a fling and when he left his hand David he began to sing I've got a feeling everything is gonna be I still got that same feeling i got joy on this Sunday morning I've got a feeling come on somebody stand up and give it praise if you know it's gonna be alright somebody give him praise if you know it's going to be all right? And the third verse, can I tell the third verse? And now for the greatest story of them all Jesus was dying and hell had a ball all the demons were rejoicing they thought they'd won the war but Soon they would not be laughing anymore. For on the first Easter morning, when the sun woke up the earth, the caverns of the deep opened up to give birth to a resurrected Savior with healing in his wings. And now all God's children rise and sing. I've got a feeling. Woo. Somebody say, I don't understand why he's like that I don't understand why you're like that I don't understand why the church has got locked, you I don't understand why the church is hiding I don't understand why the church is afraid The kingdom of God is not fear and defeat The kingdom of God is righteousness Peace, joy, in the Holy Ghost So Today, I want every person that needs fresh joy to lift up both hands to heaven right now and to begin to thank God that the kingdom that Jesus gave us is not a kingdom of defeat and fear. It's a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. Listen, y'all. Are you saying, Pastor, with all this, that the virus ain't real? I'm not saying the virus, we know the virus is real. But the fear attached to this virus is blown way out of proportion. Are you suggesting that we shouldn't take proper. Oh, no, we're being safe. That's why you're eight miles away from your neighbor. We believe in taking. faith without works is dead mix some works with your faith there's nothing wrong with taking precautions but this mess this report that I'm hearing about a new normal in the church and we're not going to be having church for months and years the devil, you better hear what I'm telling you that devil is a liar you know what the Lord showed me this ain't preaching This is the end of it. You know what the Lord showed me when this thing began? And this is going to sound morbid and some of y'all going to freak out and disconnect, but you better hear me through the end of this thing. God began to show me in this pandemic that the fear of death was surfacing in the church. There are people who were living the American dream, and all of a sudden this thing came, and everybody starts getting afraid to die. I'm getting ready to lose some people right here I am certainly not asking you to stand up and invite death into your life I'm praying for all of you in here and all you watching online and I'm praying for my family and myself that we all live to be 120 how many can receive that, amen I'm praying, you might have to prop me up over there but I'm praying for 120 years but I'm going to tell you why the New Testament church was the devil's worst nightmare because they were not afraid of death Listen to me. We should not invite death. We should be wise and we should use wisdom and we should take precautions and we should take... But when you start telling churches they can't have church, right. and people, people are afraid of death, and you don't have to be afraid of death. Because Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says, Jesus came to deliver them who all their life were subject to... The fear of dying. Is somebody listening to me right now? You're afraid of dying because you know in your heart you're not right with God. Here's the deal. Jesus came to take that fear out of your life. Do you know why the New Testament church was the devil's worst nightmare? Because you can't kill a dead man. They were already dead to themselves. They were alive in Christ. And when you're alive in him, even death. Do you know why David brought the head of Goliath? Why that was such a big deal? Because scholars, now I can't verify this, but I'm just telling you what some biblical scholars believe. They believe, and we know this for a fact, he took the head of Goliath back to Jerusalem. We know that. Some people believe that he took the head of the skull of Goliath planted it on a hill near Jerusalem, buried the skull, and some scholars will tell you that it was at that place on Golgotha, Golgotha, G-O-T-H sounds a whole lot, and there's a reason why it sounds a whole lot, like Gath, where the giant Goliath came from. Jesus died on a hill called Golgotha. Some believe he died just above the place where David planted the head of his defeated giant. Why? Why? Why would Jesus... What does it matter if that happened? Because what Jesus was saying to you and I is that just like his great, 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 great grandfather David defeated the Goliath in his life, Jesus became the king that defeated the Goliath in my life and in your life. He, he took him out. He took the enemy out. Here's the deal. We're living in a pressure-packed world that's doing everything it can to steal joy. I just want to remind you for the next few weeks and starting this morning that you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that the kingdom you belong to is the kingdom of joy. Let's lift our hands and ask him to give us his joy again and refresh us in your joy today. Come on, take just 30 seconds. We're getting ready to go. But can you just ask him and, and have some faith in your heart while your hands are lifted and your mouth is open as you talk to God. Can you just ask him to refresh your joy? Focus. Focus on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down on the right hand of God. You can go through a trial, you can go through a, a challenge, you can find yourself on the battlefield of life. It's in that place where fear is racking your mind. Some of you are wrestling with fear today. I Believe God wants to replace your fear with joy. Let's lift our hands one more time, Jesus. Give us fear over fear, give us victory over fear, give us victory today, and give your people divine joy. I want you, I want you right now. There's some people that you came with, I know that we're not comfortable necessarily going and praying for people that that we don't know uh, in this season but but there's some people that you came with can you just reach your hand over gently and lay your hand on their shoulder if you came with somebody can we do that before we leave I want us to pray the joy of the Lord would just be increased in us today come on I want you to pray for them, your families, your friends, come on they're fighting fears they're they're dealing with confusion. Some of them are wrestling with their faith and they're going through trials. come on god is God is just moving in here right now he's he 's coming in this room right now. I believe that I believe He showed me he would before we left today. He would give somebody victory. He would give somebody victory. He would give somebody victory. Hallelujah. We give you praise, God. We give you Come on, just pray for another minute. Pray for another minute. Pray for them. Pray for them. Lord, they need strength. Some of them are dealing with fear and their minds are racked with concern and confusion and they're worried about it. But today, God, today, God, we thank you for it right now, Lord. We bless you right now for giving them strength. We bless you right now for giving them strength. Break off of them every fear of the enemy. Break off of them every lie of the enemy. Give their mind deliverance today, oh God. Every day I look to you to be the strength of my life. You're the hope I hold on to, to be the strength. If you need strength, receive it. Just lift your hands and say, be the strength of my life. Be the strength of my life. Be the strength of my life. Of my life. Come on, you sing today Oh be the strength of my life Be the strength of my life Just one more time before we leave Everybody sing every day Come on Every day I look to you to be the strength of my life somebody tell god you're the hope come on you're the hope i hold on to lord be the strength of my life come on lift your hands and receive his strength today oh be the strength of my life today. Come on, tell God, be the strength, be the strength of my life. I'm going to release you. I'm going to do two things. There are people watching online right now and people in this house who need need Jesus to save them. And salvation is made so difficult sometimes by religion, but Paul reminds us that there's nothing like the simplicity of the gospel of knowing Jesus, and it really is just asking him to come and be the Lord of your life. There's some in this room and some online, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for those who want to give their heart to Jesus today, and I recognize that, that we're in a little bit of a different situation right now, but salvation is available to everyone right now and tomorrow's promise to no man. If you're in need of a savior and you know you need Christ to come into your heart, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're in this room, I'm just going to simply count to three as a as an invitation to you to say, I wanna give my heart to Jesus. And when I say three, if if you just know you need him, I don't care if you've ever been to church or you've never been to church, if you've known him or you've never known him, I just want to know right now, are you right with God? And do you want him to be the Lord of your life? And if you do, when you hear me say three, just shoot your hand up if you're in this room. I want to pray with you. If you want to serve God and give him your heart, one, two, three, just lift your hand if that's you. Anyone? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anyone on this side of the room? Just lift your hand and pull it down. God bless you, friend. I saw that. Everyone? Yes sir I see you back there God bless your friend every everyone everyone pray this prayer with me and if you're watching online I want you to pray this prayer and then when we get through praying it I want you just to put in that in that caption box something like saved or I gave my heart to God uh, just let us know because some, one of our pastors wants to reach out to you and we want to make sure you have a bible and we want to make sure you know you have a church family that will love you and pray for you Everyone in this room, I saw at least seven or eight hands. I know there are people online. Everyone just pray this prayer with me right now, even if you're saved. I know most all of us are, but this is a great day for people who want to come into this kingdom of joy. Say, dear God, I need a Savior, and I confess that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you, Lord, to come into my heart by faith. I believe Jesus that you are the Son of God and that you died for me and that you rose again and gave me victory because you live. Now say this, say, live in me, Lord Jesus, and be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' precious name, I'm yours today. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want us to give him praise all over this room right now. Come on. For those of you, listen very carefully. For those of you, we're getting ready to dismiss, and we do that orderly here. We do it as orderly as we can. But if you want to come to the altar, some of our pastors are going to stay in the church for you, and we're going to minister to those of you who just gave your heart to Jesus or those who need prayer for anything and when your row goes out, instead of going out, if you'll just take a right and come to the altar, we have places marked. If you want to stand there, someone's going to come and greet you. We want to let you know we, we don't have to lay hands on you, but we're willing to pray. If you need prayer and are willing to receive prayer, we're willing to give it. And we'll do that very cautiously, but we'll do it in faith because we believe people come to the house of God with needs. And this is a place where God can meet needs. If you believe that, say Amen. So I'm going to release the front row first. And as you turn left, those who need prayer can come to the altar and just turn right. Listen, remember, no Wednesday night service this Wednesday, but next Sunday we'll be back here. How many are thankful to be back together again? I love you. Go in the peace of God. Devin and I and our family love each of you. Have a blessed week. If you need prayer, you can feel free to come as you are released.